Happy Holy Octave of Christmas. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm reporting for duty. What about you, Terry? Yes, I'm reporting for duty and happy happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. This is the Octave of Christmas, and I'm excited today because, you know, I'm getting to go to Mass every day uh, as usual, but still, we, we, we sing the Gloria. I mean, it's just a, a marvelous time to be alive, and one of the topics today we're going to chat about is rituals that help the holidays become true and holy days. And I was laughing because I read this article, and I go, Jesse, I just read this article, man. We got to talk about this. And then I saw at the end of the article, the author, Jess Romero. <laughs> I just think, you see how, how funny it is when we work together, and I just, Jesse sometimes will look at me and go, Terry, you got the, the faith of a child, brother. I love you, but sometimes you ain't the sharpest cat, but that's all right. And we're going to also bring in Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano regarding the canonical sanctions imposed on Father Frank Pavone. And then to follow it up, this is good stuff, six practical ways to boost your mental fitness. And I would add your spiritual fitness, because when you are sharp with your mind, and these principles also help you with your prayer life. And so we'll get into that and much, much more. Uh, Jess, what do you got for the good to know file for us today, brother? Yeah, uh, there's uh, a few things that I would like to mention. Sure. Well, the the White House called for a spiking COVID misinformation. Journalist David Swig on Monday released a new round of internal Twitter files showing that the current White House rigged the COVID COVID debate by censoring information that was inconvenient to government policy, (laughs) discrediting doctors and experts who bucked the administrative's narratives. Yeah. Uh, journalist Zweig pointed out that the Biden administration even targeted ordinary users who shared embarrassing data from the CDC. Next, in a Friday night release from before Christmas, U.S. border authorities reported a record number of encounters with migrants in November as, official, as officials worry about the impacts of the impending expiration of Title 42 U.S. Customs and Border Protection. They reported 233,740 encounters along the southwest border. Nearly 67 of those encounters were processed for expulsion under Title 42. Also, President Biden on Friday signed the $1.85 trillion omnibus bill into law. (laughs) Washington Examiner columnist James Annell noted that the omnibus spending bill showed Republicans falling into a similar a familiar spending trap republicans run against reckless democratic spending and then either are perceived to be acquiescing to it or engaging in even riskier economic behavior to impose their will on whatever liberal sits on behind the the white house and finally support for catholic hero jimmy lai as catholic dissident against the chinese communist party jimmy lai spends his third christmas season in jail School children are sending him messages of support. Uh, he's a media mogul who could easily oh, yeah, have could. found safe haven on distant shores uh, for his people who live in a country that is that is set on silencing men and women who stand for truth. And as Catholics, our hope remains alive that Jimmy will be set free one day and return home to his loving and caring family. And, you know, like you said, this guy is a hero for us. Uh, we talked about Raymond Arroyo put him as one of the heroes of the 2022 year, along with uh, our Cardinal, um, huh, the name is just Cardinal, uh, huh, I can't even think of his name, but he's also in China under sanctions too. These guys are amazing because they can get out, but they said their Catholic faith says, no, I have to stay with my flock. I just think that's awesome. 
Hey, yeah. Jess, um, before we get to the gospel, I just want to remind people that it's not too late if they want to make a donation for the year in uh, tax-deductible donation to, uh, to the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. They can do that online by going to vmpr.org or calling us at 877-526-2151. Anything else, Jess, before we get the gospel in? Let's uh, just want to mention okay. about the, this is we're on the octave yeah. of Christmas. And uh, these are eight days following Christmas Day from December 25th to January 1st. Uh, December 25th is Christmas uh, and December 26th, December 27th. All of these days we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. The fact that he came to save us and die for our sins and and redeem us and bring us one day to heaven if we live and die in a state of grace. And so as Catholics, uh, the Christmas lights will be on in my house. All my neighbor's lights are off. All their their outside decorations are off. So I'm the only house in the neighborhood that's fully lit up for the next seven days. And again, uh, we celebrate Christmas and Easter for eight days because these are huge events in salvation history. This also corresponds uh, to the Old Testament where the Jews used to celebrate big feast days by God's command for seven days. And then they would have the solemnity on the eighth day of the feast. And so again, as Catholics, keep that Christmas music, keep the Christmas music going. Keep the lights on for the next seven days. Don't listen to secular music. And if you can, if you have the opportunity, try to go to Mass every day. Yeah. Not just on Sundays, throughout the octave. As a way to give thanks to God for, for, for coming into this world as a baby and, and, and living and dying for our sins. Pick up a Bible, read the Gospels, especially the birth stories of Jesus Christ, as a way to think about Jesus and reflect on Him more. And, uh, and also, uh, as Catholics, remember, uh, Christmas Day is so big that we don't just celebrate it on one day. It takes us eight days to take all of this in, Terry. Yeah, see, just what you said, I said at the Walmart, we needed eggs. My chickens at my house aren't producing eggs, so I've got to go out and buy them now. And I was at the Walmart, and I said to the person, Merry Christmas! And she looked at me, and she's like, oh, that was Sunday. I said, no, 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 let me explain something. We have the eight days, and this is what we call an octave. So I'm going to be saying Merry Christmas wherever I go, because yeah. it's such a big event that God became man. And she just looked at me like, I didn't know that. So yeah. I'm going to encourage our listeners, wherever you go today, stores, keep telling people, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And I think we'll get our message out. That's right. Some soul food, Terry. Okay, brother, let's do it. I'm all ears. <clears throat> uh, reading for the Holy Gospel according to John. Yep, his feast day, too. Go ahead. Y- yes. Uh, St. John the Apostle, pray for us. Mm-hmm. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and told the other disciple, uh, whom Jesus loved, and told them, they have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not yet know where they put him. Mm-hmm. So Peter and the other disciple went out, and they came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter. Mm-hmm. And arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there, and the cloth had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'll make it brief. Uh, The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a game changer. This is, yeah, this, oh, this man. absolutely changed. Right. Uh, I mean, think about this. Yeah. This is, if Jesus Christ would not have risen from the dead, we would have never heard about him. That's right. Why do I say that? Because tens of thousands of people have been uh, crucified on a cross and put to death 
by Persians, by Assyrians, by Greeks, by Romans. Heck, the Romans in one day, they, they, they uh, killed 6,000 Spartans after they beat, defeated them in a war. And so crucifixion is very common in the ancient world. We don't know anybody's name that has been crucified. You know why? Because they didn't rise from the dead. This is the, this is the reason why we know the name Jesus Christ of Nazareth because of the hundreds of thousands of people that for centuries and centuries were crucified on a cross. Jesus is the only one that rose from the dead. This is why it's a game changer. This is why we know that there's life after death. And this is why there's an incredible celebration for eight days on Christmas, the birth of Christ, and on Easter, the resurrection of Christ. Both these events, the incarnation and the resurrection, are part of salvation history, and they are absolute game changers. Well said, Jesse. Let's talk about St. John. And see, Jesse, I want you to just talk a minute. We've got time to talk about how the Gospel of John is different from the synoptic Gospels. Tell us a little bit of why that is. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they focus on, really, on the humanity of Christ. On the human, uh, you know, when you talk about the hypostatic union, this is, uh, the Jesus Christ is 100% God, 100% man at the same time. He took, upon a, he took upon a second nature at the incarnation, the nature of humanity. And so Matthew, Mark, and Luke focuses a lot on the human aspect of Jesus Christ. John is different. John focuses more on the divinity of Christ. And, uh, and John gives us a couple of things there that nobody else, none of the other gospel writers write about. For example, he talks about the Holy Eucharist in detail. John 6. In, in John chapter 6. Yep. Uh, and, and, so, and, and, uh, and he also talks about the resurrection in detail. And so, yeah, Terry, this is a do- this is because when we see Christ, please God, when we get to heaven, what are we going to see? Are we going to see the Jesus Christ of Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Or are we going to see the, the Jesus of the, of the gospel of John? We are going to see the Jesus of the gospel of John. Absolutely. We're going to see the resurrected, glorified, risen Jesus Christ uh, that's also depicted very specifically in the book of Revelation. And I'll add one more thing on John. Uh, he didn't give commentary on the Last Supper. It's most likely, this is what one of my scripture scholar friends tells me, is because the other Gospels were already written. His was written last. And so he focused uh, quite a bit on, like I say, the Holy Eucharist and the real presence and on the supernatural life of a Christian. So I think the Gospel of John, we call him the Gospel of Love. All right. Yeah. Hey, Jesse, we're going to get Bishop Sheen when we come back. And also, we've got a really good article that I suggest wrote about rituals helping holidays become truly holy days. And that's what we're in right now. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on this Christmas octave of Christmas, St. John's Feast Day. Truly, we can say we're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And let's, let's face it, if we were, hey, let's just face this. The faith that we have been given is a gift from God, and we all yep. have to use it properly, and that's what we're doing. We're blessed. Stay with us, family, on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Right back after a short break. Hey, let's bring Bishop Sheen into the smartest man in the room. Full Sheen ahead. Here's what he has to say. It's so appropriate about God becoming man. You know, what humility Jesus did. Okay, here's what Sheen says. Pride is at the peak 
when man cuts himself off from any relationship to God and thus makes himself a God. He elevates his relative character into an absolute, very much like a carbon copy calling itself the original. Jesse, if that doesn't describe the world right now that we're in, I don't know what does, because what Fulton Sheen is basically saying is that's been an, a problem with for mankind since since day one, uh, that they've always wanted to be God, and our pride has always gotten into the problem of saying, no, I want to do it my way, not God's way. Okay, that's what I wanted mm-hmm. to bring up with Sheen. I'm ready, hey, Jesse. Hey, Archbishop Vigano, Carlo Maria Vigano, yep. he weighed in on sure the is. canonical sanctions imposed on Father Frank Pavone, uh, who, again, he's the national director of the Priest for Life, the largest pro-life ministry in the Catholic Church. He's a well-known pro-life activist, and and, uh, and he's been dis- dismissed from the clerical state for the accusations are blasphemous communications and persistent disobedience uh, to his diocesan bishop. Here's what Vigano says. This is These are his words. Archbishop Vigano on Father Frank Pavone's situation, quote, So we are taught by scholastic philosophy... The action of every being depends on the nature of that being. It follows that a person's actions are consistent with who that person is. We find confirmation of this principle of ontology in the canonical sanctions recently opposed by the Holy See on Father Frank Pavone, a well-known and appreciated pro-life priest, who for decades has been committed to the battle against the horrible crime of abortion. If a Roman dicastery decides to electrocute a priest with reduction to the lay state, accusing him of blasphemy and preventing him from having the ability to defend himself legally in a canonical trial. And if, at the same time, analogous decisions are not taken with regard to notorious, heretical, corrupt, and fornicating clergy. Great point. It is not out of place to ask if such a persecutory action reveals a persecutory mind. And of an action against a good priest who has worked strenuously to oppose abortion reveals the hatred of the persecutor with regard to the good of the uh, to the to the good illegitimate illegitimate punishment becomes all the more hateful the closer we come to holy christmas if we consider that by the killing of innocent children the enemy of the human race wants to kill the infant king he writes about Pope Francis. He says uh, he says that Pope Francis eclipses or eclipses the Catholic Church, or Pope Francis is you know the papacy eclipses the Catholic Church with its arrogant occupation of leadership posts, and scandalously abuses its authority for a purpose opposed to that for which our Lord, the head of the Church, has intended it. There is no area of doctrine, morals, discipline, or liturgy that has not been the object of its vandalizing I agree action. With you. Uh, Jesse, he's, he's pointing out something that is a fact. It's a very sad fact, but it's a fact. Nothing is being saved of the, little, of the little that remained after 60 years of systemic demolition through the work of the Second Vatican Council and that which survives uh, as a crumbling reminder of the glory of days gone by is under the constant threat of new and worse devastation. It is therefore evident that the Roman Sanhedrin, (laughs) whose work baffles even the most cautious interpreters of Vatican affairs, has a purpose of persecuting the good and promoting evildoers. Strong strong line, Terry. Mm -hmm. The case of the cancellation of Father Pavone is the umpteenth demonstration 
that this purpose is being carried out with ferocious obstinacy, both in order to feed a climate of terror among the clergy so as to constrain them into servile and and fearful obedience and also to create disorientation and scandal among the faithful and others who still look to the church as a moral point of reference. All of this is happening at the same time that the Jesuit priest Marco Ivan Rutnik, on whom a sentence is pending for very serious canonical crimes that carry with them the punishment of excommunication, Leite Sententia, has his canonical penalty remitted by his Jesuit confrere, the Pope, and companion who lives in Santa Marta, and while the Roman Curia is infested with unpresentable characters who are notoriously corrupt and heretical sodomites and fornicators. He says, uh, Bergolian acolytes, Pope Francis' acolytes, are distinguished in this manner. The graver their crimes, the more prestigious the positions they hold. In the face of this violation of the most elementary of principles of justice and governmental prudence, as well as the blatant determination of the highest levels of the hierarchy to act contramentum legis, which means contrary to rational law, it is necessary that the cardinals and bishops understand the very serious consequences of their complicit silence and that they... And that, and that they courageously raise their voices in defense of the healthy part of the ecclesial body, this duty is imposed by respect for the Catholic tr- truth, which has been violated. The honor of Holy Mother Church, who has been humiliated by her own prelates, and the eternal salvation of souls, which has been endangered by the, by the words and actions of evil shepherds, who are usurping an authority that does not belong to them, but rather to Christ the King and High Priest, the head of the mystical body, if serving the church and defending the life of innocent creatures in this time of apostasy constitutes a crime worthy of dismissal from the clerical state while promoting abortion and gender ideology and violating uh, consecrated virgins. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's thinking it nice. Yeah. yeah is, is, is not deemed liable to excommunication. Then Father, then Father Pavone uh, ought to consider this then Father Pavone ought to consider the shameful Vatican decision to be a source of pride, recalling our Lord's words. Yes, how can we forget our Lord's yes. words? He says in Matthew five eleven, Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and other every manner of evil against you falsely because of me. Close quote. And whoever is, ex- is, is inculpated themselves as an accomplice of this persecution against the good ought to tremble at the thought of the judgment which awaits them. God is not mocked, Galatians 6, 7, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. I would also add something. Father Frank had a Christmas message on his website. I encourage people to go to Priest for Life and listen to that. But I want to make two big points, Jess. One, if Bishop, if uh, the bishop had requested, not requested, demanded Father Frank to go to a parish in his diocese, he's the legitimate authority to go there and uh, not be the full time into pro-life work. The bishop has a right to do that. Now he's going to have to answer as uh, as his judgment seat of was I prudent in doing that? Probably not, I wouldn't think. But I remember when Fulton Sheen was a newly ordained priest. It's in his autobiography, Treasure and Clay. And the bishop sent this newly ordained priest, Bishop Sheen, to a little parish with 50 families in the other hole. Everybody was saying, oh, bishop, that's a bad move. 
Why would you do that? Why would you? Do? Come on, he's got so many uh, you know things he could do to help the church. For and that first year of Bishop Sheen's work was at a local small parish, and then the bishop called him in and said, "You know what? I'm going to move you to to uh, Washington D.C. the uh, to do the uh, work there at uh, Catholic U, and you're going to teach, and you're going to have a big responsibility." And he said, "I just sent you to that little parish to see if you'd obey." Now, obey is important. I mean, Father Frank mentions that Padre Pio was, you know, censored for like 14 years without being able to say Mass. And the Church has a right to do that. Now, is it prudent? No, like Archbishop Vigano just pointed out, it's not consistent. Look at it this way, Jess. You got a father and you got a mother and you got two kids. One kid goes and uh, steals some five cents worth of candy at the dime time store. And you go, okay, Junior, hey, yeah, you're you're going to be punished for this. And he gets punished. And then the other kid goes in and goes to the National Bank and steals $200 million. Mm. <laughs> and and what happens? Oh, that's all right. You still sit, you know, you're okay. I can't, I don't want to do anything to you. You're, you're okay. See, the analogy is it doesn't equate with what's going on in the church today. Father Frank Pavone, if he's disobedient, he has to reconcile that with his bishop. But when you've got people doing... Jesse, I can't even describe what they're doing on the radio because it would be too offensive to hear. But they're not getting censored at all. They're getting upgrades, okay? So it's just, I look everything at as a family, and our family right now is messed up because, and I'll just be honest with you, Jess, the father is not doing what he should be doing in ordering the children to do the things that are going to get them closer to God and not further away. I said it. That's right, Terry. And and um, I said, I just that's how I see it. I don't know about. Uh, I, I just I'm going to question the pro life credentials right now of the current uh, the current uh, Roman Curia. I'll tell you why. Oh, it's a good question. Here's 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 a couple of articles I have. Yeah. Pope Francis has removed every single member of the of the Vatican pro life academy, the Pontifical Academy for Life, which is long a bastion of orthodoxy at the Vatican. Yep put there by John Paul II and Pope Benedict, has been effectively shut down. That's an article that speaks, from LifeSide News. Yeah, Here's another one. Volumes. Vatican to contribute to a pro-abortion World Health Organization. The Holy See will contribute to the World Health Organization emergency fund money for the supply of personal protective equipment to frontline medical workers. Here's oh. another one. Vatican pro-abortion member of the Pontifical Academy for Life contributes to Dialogue. The Pontifical Academy for Life issued a statement on Wednesday defending the recent appointment of an outspoken advocate for abortion rights on the grounds that members are chosen to contribute to fruitful, <laughs> interdisciplinary, intercultural, and interreligious dialogue. That's what I'm talking about. An Italian-American about. economist and professor at yeah. University College of London, yeah. Mariana Mazzotto, oh. was among seven academics appointed by Pope Francis to serve five-year terms with the Academy. On several occasions, uh, Professor Mazzucato shared her pro-abortion views on Twitter and spoke against Roe versus Wade. That's what I'm talking about, Jess. Well, I'm, I'm t- uh, You're here's just supporting think, my Gary. position. I, I think the Roman Curia is questionable. Soft, is soft on the pro-life. You think, well, you know what, Jesse? They're it, friends with all these pro-aborts, Terry. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't be on both sides of the fence. They're on both. Yeah, they're on both sides of the fence. They they'll, they'll give pro life exactly. statements, yep. and then they'll give the, then then they're very soft and very friendly with these monster pro abortion. All right, can I can I make yeah. it really simple? Go ahead. Perón was a politician in Argentina. Okay, mm. P- 
Pope Francis learned everything from him, and he uses the same style that Perón did. That's uh, I read that in several of the books on the Pope. It's just a fact, and this was just demonstrated by you eloquently, my, my friend. You just showed the facts, and the facts are we need to be praying for our church, our leaders, our Pope, and making reparation for these. I'll call them sacrileges, and I'll tell you why I call them sacrileges, because they're supporting the killing of innocent life. That's a sacrilege. And I'll tell you what's the Perón style of governing. Yeah. It's uh, oh, it's 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 speaking to you say left and I y- go right. Y- yeah. Wh- whatever audience is in front of you, yeah. uh, you tailor your speech to your audience. Yeah, number you one. It. You nailed it. And also you run you rule with an iron fist. Yep. You Pope nailed Francis it. rules with an iron fist and Pope Francis uh, gauges his speech and it's tailored to his audience. Well said. That's the Perone in him. All right, when we come back, rituals help holidays become true holy holy days. Wow, this is important because we are celebrating the octave of Christmas. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Jesse, this is an article that yeah. you wrote. I want everybody to know it's on LifeSite News. Please read it. It's called Rituals Help Holidays Become Truly Holy Days. Yes, I'm going to turn it over to you and tell us why you wrote the article and what's in it. Because I wanted to write something that would inspire people because yeah. everybody focuses on the negative right now. We're at war with Russia, yeah. uh, high, high inflation, yeah. uh, high suicide rate. Yeah. Uh, bad president, stolen elections. There, there's a lot of things, uh, you know, to be somber about. And so I wrote this article just to make people realize that Jesus knew that we would that we would go through dark nights of the soul individually and as a nation and as a church. And so Jesus has sprinkled the the uh, an, an entire year with different holy days which we call holidays but they're holy days and this it what it does it enriches it brings it brings life uh to our culture it be, brings life to a nation it brings life to families if it wasn't for jesus terry life would be absolutely boring amen and and jesse you make a good point you quote gk chesterton saying this, and I thought this was just a a really great line. Chesterton said, rituals are simple ways of expressing complex ideas. Explain that. Yeah, in in other words, anything good, like for example, this morning, I eat breakfast the same way uh, I do every every single morning. Last night, I took a shower the same way. I take it because that's my comfort zone. Uh, I brush my teeth the same way every single day, you you know, in the morning and the evening. In other words, Everything that we do in life is ritual. Yep. Uh, and, and ritual can be good. It can be good. For example, going to daily mass. This morning I went to daily mass with my wife. That's a good ritual for the Romeros. You could have a bad ritual like smoking pot. But everything, all behavior, vice and virtue is reinforced through ritual. That's right. And so that, that's the point that I'm making in this article is that God has given us holy days that we call holidays, but it's it's really... It really comes from the word holy days to overshadow all the, the ills of society, to overshadow the fact, again, like I said, that we're at a war, we're in a, you know, inflation in an all-time high in 40 years, rise in crime. We forget all of that 
because Jesus has sprinkled our, our culture and our existence with these holy days like Christmas Day, which is the birth of Christ. What about New Year's Day? which that's the octave day of our Lord's birth. And it's also Christmas day is also referenced from the point of his birthday uh, from the the point of his birth. Excuse me. What about Easter? That's the resurrection of Christ. What about Valentine's day? Well, that's the martyrdom of a Catholic priest who was killed for preaching the love of Christ. Well, what about St. Patrick's day? Well, that was a a Catholic Bishop exorcist who drove out the occult from Ireland. (laughs) Why did he do that for Christ? Amen. Then you have Halloween, you know, which is a day before All Saints and All Souls Day. Uh, the saints are, are those citizens that are with Jesus in heaven right now. They're with Christ. The souls are being purified by Christ in purgatory. And then we even have Veterans Day. Think about Veterans Day, where we honor our, honor our veterans of war, especially those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Well, even this day was inspired by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate price for our sins on the cross. As he says in John chapter 15, verse 13, no one has greater love than this to lay one, one's down life for one's friends. And so the point that I'm making in this article yeah. is that Jesus gives, gives life, enriches our life, enriches culture, gives us, brings joy, and it gives us a reason to live. Yes. And, and, and so we don't focus on all the negatives and and if it wasn't for Jesus' birth and resurrection, I'm, I'm, it just life would absolutely be boring. Because when I look at other people like Buddha or Confucius or Muhammad, Terry, they haven't contributed anything significant. Zero. Yeah, the, you know, and so, but Jesus, these inspired holidays, which again comes from the word holy days, it reminds us, uh, it, it renews our joy by remembering events of the past and calling them to mind, and we make them you know, metaphysically, spiritually present, how? Through ritual. Right. And, and so, again, ritual is, is very important for us as Catholics. Uh, everything that, all good things and bad things are reinforced through ritual. If, if you want to see, for example, uh, the Christmas season and other holidays, they bring joy even to non-believers. I mean, all the non-believers in my neighborhood, I'm sure there's a bunch of non-believers here. They were celebrating as families. They had Christmas lights on. They had a Christmas tree. Because even non-believers, Terry, they know that there's something powerful and beautiful about Christmas Day. And again, they probably celebrated it the same like they did last year. Uh, Again, ritual has the power to recall important events like the 4th of July for Americans. By the way, with this theme of liberty and freedom that was inspired by Jesus Christ. The point that I made, Terry, in this article is that Everything that's good in America, everything that's good comes from Jesus. And the way we keep uh, these things alive is through ritual. And how did we learn this? We learned it from the Jews. Exactly. The Jews are the ones that taught us that anything that's worth remembering has to be commemorated through ritual. That's why the Jews, they celebrated Passover with rituals. Oh, and by the way, Passover prefigures Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. Uh, and, and this is, think about this is pretty powerful. The Jews were kicked out of their country in 70 AD by the Romans. Right. They were decimated. And the Jews were wandering in different countries around the earth. They had no country to call home up until 1948. 
Well, guess what? That's when the United Nations, after World War I, gave them Israel back. And the Jews, how were how they able to maintain their religion and their culture as they were in Russia, as they were, you know, in, in different parts of Europe, if they were here in the U.S., in New York, as they were here in South America? How were they able to keep the religion and their culture? Because they celebrated, even though they didn't have a physical country for centuries and centuries, they celebrated the important events that were, that were important to the Jewish people through ritual. You nailed it, Jess. And this is why, whether it's birthdays for our own family or we have uh, traditions in the Romero family, the Barber family, you know, cultures have uh, traditions. These are all good things that, uh, you know, that lead us to uh, live a life centered around God and, and man that we can serve our, our fellow man. You know, Jesse, one thing I will say that you talked about and you're going to we're going to talk about it in the next segment about, uh, you know, practical ways to boost your mental fitness. But, you know, one of the ways that you help, you know, get closer to Christ is by having holy um, exercises. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by holy exercises is, like, for example, I wake up in the morning, I say my prayers, right? I do my meditation on the readings of the day. Uh, You know, I go to Holy Mass. I thank Jesus for receiving Holy Communion. I make an act of contrition. You know, these are all these exercises that have one goal in mind, to get closer to Christ. Yes. Okay, that's what we need to do for the new year. It's coming up in January, a couple of days from now. So we're going to talk about those six practical ways in the next segment. But I would also ask, Jesse, that this actually applies to sports, to anything in life. For example, Jess Romero, for those who didn't know, uh, was a boxer, kickboxer. And he boxed both, for both. the— Both. He did both. He did yeah. both for the, for the police department, the sheriff's department. And was very successful at it. But I guarantee you, if Jesse didn't run all the time getting in shape, that his stamina out on the uh, boxing ring would not have been sufficient to do what he needed to do. So he had to have those habits of getting in shape. And so we're going to talk about the, yes, physical habits that help you with mental fitness. But I think it really does apply spiritually that when you are sharp and you're, I'll give you an example. What does fasting do? Sometimes what I find that when I'm hungry from a little fasting, that my mental awareness gets really sharp, Jess. And I'm mm. really like, my, my mind is like, wow, I'm just, mm. you know, uh, I'm on it. Like, because I'm like, I'm, yeah. I, I guess the adrenaline is kicking in or something. But yeah. if we become so sedentary in our life, in other words, my habit is I sit on a couch and watch TV for 12 hours a day. See, what's that mm. going to do? It's going to make you a zombie. Okay, you're going to watch TV shows after another. And what does that do? Nothing other than distracts you from the meaning and purpose of life. So I'm just making the point, holy habits, holy life. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, one more thing that I did forget, forget to yeah. write in the article, I forgot to also mention Thanksgiving's also been inspired by Jesus Christ. I oh, mean, yeah. that's, that's completely Christian. The word Thanksgiving is what, Eucharist means Thanksgiving. Yeah. And so Thanksgiving is another day that's been, uh, that, that's been inspired by the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in Scripture, it says that hundreds of times, you know, be thankful. For example, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says... Be thankful in everything, in all circumstances. And, 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 and Thanksgiving is so Catholic, most people don't realize 
that Squanto the Indian, <laughs> that he was Catholic. Yes. Uh, he was a baptized Catholic. He was baptized with the Spanish missionaries. He, he, had embraced, he spoke English as well. He's the one that broke bread with the, with the Protestant pilgrims. Uh, and he's the one that gave us Thanksgiving. So again, Thanksgiving, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we wouldn't even have Thanksgiving Day. So what's the point that I'm making? Christmas, New Year's, Easter, St. Patrick's, yeah. uh, St. Valentine's, Halloween, Veterans Day, All of them. Uh, Thanksgiving. Everything has been given to us as a gift by the Lord Jesus Christ to enrich family and culture. And without these holidays, life would be bland and boring. Well said, Jess. And that's why here... At Virgin Most Powerful Radio, yes, we talk about the craziness of this culture, but we also talk about what is ultimately, you know, life, and that is to get to heaven. And how do we get to heaven without living a holy life? It doesn't work. Holiness consists of one thing, complete loyalty to God's will. What is God's will? Our salvation. And when we come back, we're going to talk about, on the practical side, six practical ways to boost your mental fitness And I would actually say that I think we can apply this to the spiritual life also. So stay with us. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on this octave of Christmas. And we are are truly blessed to be with the Lord in this wonderful season of Christmas because it was when God became man and our salvation was opened the doors that Christ was going to die on the cross and open it for us was out of this world. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Do you want to boost your mental fitness this New Year's? I certainly do. Let me share with you six practical ways to boost your mental fitness. I know today we're bombarded with information from morning till night. There's a lot of noise on the television, social media, radio, and even the internet. And we often overlook the quieter activities that have a tremendous impact on our mental fitness and our brain. Fortunately, the human brain is one of the most adaptable and responsive organs in the body. Let me give you six different ways to keep your brain active. Uh, and these are a lot of these things are common sense that you never would realize that they would exercise your brain. Number one, develop a consistent daily routine. If you're looking for one thing that will have the biggest impact on your brain health, then it's routine. A daily routine of consistent brain activities will benefit you more than anything else. This means having a schedule where you dedicate a specific amount of time to your favorite brain exercise. You should start light. Even just 10 minutes a day can make a difference. Next, make sure you use the time wisely by focusing on exercises that stretch your mind in new ways. For example, reading a novel or listening listening to an audiobook that you usually wouldn't go for. It'll help your it'll help improve your vocabulary an understanding of different writing styles. Number two, read books. You may well have heard this advice a hundred times before, but don't ignore it. Reading is one of the easiest and most enjoyable ways to exercise your brain. It's also a proven method to improve your memory, concentration, and problem-solving skills. 
There's lots of different genres to choose from. So you can stretch your brain in different ways. For example, a novel with lots of descriptive language will help improve your vocabulary, while a science fiction or fantasy book will test your understanding of new worlds. Reading also gives you a chance to learn from some of the, some of the world's greatest minds. You can read the biographies of successful people in any industry or read the works of philosophers, poets, and novelists. It's up to you. I specifically prefer spiritual reading, if you ask me. Uh, again, a lot of people prefer audiobooks, and it, it, it typically increases their speed to 1.5 times in order to consume the content quicker and inevitably consume more books overall. Uh, and if there's, if there's one life hack I can suggest for book and audiobook lovers, that is to learn to increase the speed at which you consume information. There's a multitude of information out there to be consumed, yet it's severely limited by one's time. Number three. Learn a new language. Learning a new language can have enormous benefits for your brain. It'll stretch your mind in new ways as you try to grasp the various rules and patterns of the language. It'll also challenge you to expand your vocabulary and improve your memory. If you want to get the most out of learning a new language, try to do it with a friend. Working with a partner will help you stay motivated and push you further. It's also a great way to build new relationships and share ideas and advice that, with others who are learning as well. You may not be able to speak the language fluently right away, but don't let that deter you. Consistency is the key, and working towards the goal is a great way to keep your brain active and engaged. And once you've learned the basics, you can always keep going and improve your skills even further. The author to the article writes, many years ago, I traveled to Spanish-speaking countries, Cuba and Mexico, a couple of times. I was also dating a Latin woman and had taken a great interest in learning Spanish. Aside from picking up a few words here or there, I took it upon myself to go to Spanish classes and listen to translation audiobooks while I slept. <clears throat> Another thing I would suggest is to try listening to audiobooks or reading before going to bed. You can certainly listen to audiobooks during the initial stages of your sleep cycle. Many, many audiobook apps will allow you to set a timer or you can set one with the phone itself, which will stop playing the book or after a certain amount of time. When you sleep, your brain goes through the process called consolidation before it transfers information from short-term memory to long-term memory. Studies have proven that language learners who were, who were listening to language tapes during sleep were able to recall the newly learned words better than those who didn't. This was actually the case for me, the author writes, and I would awake the next day understanding just a bit more Spanish than the night before. Full disclosure, the author writes, I have traveled to Latin countries, I haven't traveled to Latin countries in many years and no longer with the Latin spouse and thus gradually stopped practicing Spanish. Here's another thing to exercise your brain. Play games. <clears throat> you probably associate games with childhood games, but they're also great for your brain. They're a fun, interactive way to exercise your brain and can improve your memory, problem-solving skills, and attention span. You can even play games designed to improve your mental health. There's a lot of different games that will improve your brain or benefit your brain 
both traditional board games and modern video games, you could also challenge yourself to learn a new skill, a new skill-based game like chess or, or Go uh, that has a reputation for improving, because it has a reputation for improving problem-solving skills. If you're looking for a quick and easy way to exercise your brain, games are a great choice. They're accessible, cheap, and can be played almost anywhere from on the bus, on the way to work, to on your phone during a quick break. The next, point number five, exercise your mind with puzzles and quizzes. Puzzles and quizzes are great ways to exercise your brain and test your knowledge at the same time. You can try out different puzzles such as crosswords, word searches, and number puzzles. These are great for improving your attention span and problem-solving skills. There are also lots of puzzle and quiz books out there that can test your knowledge of different subjects. You might want to try out a, a book of general knowledge to improve your general knowledge or a book of general science facts to improve your scientific knowledge. Quizzes are also a great way to test your knowledge. You can challenge yourself with general knowledge quizzes or find quizzes on, on specific subjects to improve your knowledge on those topics. The author writes, when I was very young, I would watch my grandmother complete huge puzzles which were spread across the dining room table of her home. When I look back to those days with this newfound understanding of brain science, I can see that she was at that time supporting her brain health and helping defend from diseases such as Alzheimer's and dementia. As she grew older, she stopped playing puzzles and slowly succumbed to Alzheimer's and passing away. She stopped playing puzzles when her husband, my grandfather, passed away. And though I'm not saying correlation causes equals causation, however, the reduction of brain-building activities coupled with stress of her husband passing certainly had major impacts on her mental health. Finally, number six, physical activity. You may have heard that brain exercises and physical activity are great for your mental health. But did you know that the opposite is true? Physical activities is one of the best ways to keep your brain healthy and can improve your thinking skills as you age. There are different forms of physical activity you can try out to boost your brain power. You could try a new sport, join a gym, or go for a run or walk in your local park. You can even try dancing if, if that suits you better. It's up to you. Physical activity has been shown to, to improve thinking skills and mental health because it, it releases healthful chemicals called endorphins. These natural chemicals can help reduce stress and improve your mood and give you a better sense of well-being. The author writes, I've personally had some challenges over the past three years with training consistently. It started because I sold my house and moved to an in-between house before moving into my new house. This resulted into my home gym being packed in storage for months. And upon moving into my new house, I renovated my garage before placing the gym inside. I've kept different gym memberships all this time, but have, consistent, but have not consistently visited. Only this year did I begin regular training again in my new home gym and also going to outside gyms uh, such as Good Life Fitness or Planet Fitness. All Honestly, I find motivation in going to regular commercial gyms because I see people working on themselves and it feels like somewhat of a community. Though it's, it's nothing like 
powerlifting, Olympic lifting, you know, powerlifting, Olympic lifting community. I was a part of, of at Fortis Fitness in Toronto. I've moved a bit too far from that specialty gym to justify the drive, especially with my own specialty gym at home. Here's the bottom line. Exercising your brain every day is one of the best things you can do for your mental health. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. Everyone can benefit from challenging their mind and squeezing every every, uh, last drop out of it. You don't have to invest hours of your time either. Just a few minutes a day can make a big difference. Best of all, the majority of these exercises are free. There's no excuse not to get started. Remember, exercise is free. You don't have to ask the government permission. As Catholics, I just want to remind you, keep your lights on, keep your Christmas decorations around for eight days. Today's uh, the second day, the second octave of, uh, of Christmas. As Catholics, we celebrate Christmas for eight days. Why? Why eight days? Well, we celebrate Christmas and Easter for eight days and our reasons for each are biblical because on the first day of Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Christmas octave, which is eight days, including and following Christmas Day, December 25th to January 1st, we celebrate Jesus' birth and the fact that he came to save us and to die for our sins and to redeem us and bring us to heaven. Celebrate truly and joyfully celebrate. That's what the octave is all about. Celebrate not in a secular way, but in a spiritual way. Draw closer to Christ and draw others closer to Christ by your witness. That's a wrap. My name is Jesse Romero. We're Terry and Jesse Show. We are out. EOW end of watch. Stay tuned for more Virgin Most Powerful Radio programming where you get Catholicism and the culture wars and the teachings of the Catholic Church unadulterated. God bless you. Keep the faith.